Hello. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to the first event in the fall 2016 uh, new writing series. Uh, so here we all are. Uh, it's. Uh, I'm glad everyone was able to make it. Uh, I'm glad most of the seats are full. I'll just say a few things about uh, etiquette in a uh, literary event uh, because the there are certain standards of of, uh, of behavior that uh, that in um, that maybe are un unspoken but but should should uh, remain uh, uh, followed. In this case, uh, this room is really noisy, so uh, I know some people have places to to go partway through the reading. Uh, please save those for moments where they seem rhythmically appropriate. Uh, it's, a, it's a noisy space. Also, you know, turn your phones, make them silent or whatever. Throw them in the trash. Uh, the uh, I'm going to spend just a minute um, announcing the future readings. Uh, there's two more readings in this quarter. Uh, Wednesday, November 2nd, the uh, writer, dancer, archivist, myth scientist, uh, Harmony Holiday will be reading uh, here. Uh, and uh, November 30th, 4.30 p.m., the same space, the novelist, poet, uh, filmmaker, collaborator, uh, Vikai Now will be reading here. Uh, so we're really excited to have uh, so much, so many incredible readers, including our readers today, Anselm and Karen. Uh, I wanted to, uh, before, to since the the way the timing worked out today, uh, I wanted to um, the tip of the cap to a a really uh, necessary, important uh, figure who uh, was. I think uh, just a almost an elemental uh, part of the writing community in UCSD, and and without whom, uh, uh, what we think of as writing in UCSD, I can't imagine would have existed. Uh, the the writer David Anton, who uh, who died last night, uh, and um, it's a it's a shame, uh, and uh, in so many ways, David really. Uh, uh, before there were any trends that could contain him, uh, he he exemplified so much of the of the type of work that uh, that challenges genre borders, that challenges performance borders, that that um, that questions what uh, literature is for and what it, and what it um, ultimately does. Uh, we're going to miss him a lot, and uh, and I'm. Uh, he was a professor here for for years, uh, and it's a it's a sad it's a sad thing, but it's also a happy thing because new it's a happy day. Uh, we have some fantastic writers here today. Uh, we're going to this is how we're going to do it. Shelby uh, is going. We have MFA writers who have prepared introductions uh, collaboratively, uh, in many cases for our readers today. Uh, so. I'm not going to get up here in the middle, so I'll say I'll say uh, Shelby is going to be introducing Anselm, correct? And Sarah will be introducing Karen uh, in a moment. <laughs> so thank you.
Anselm Berrigan comes to us from his home hometown of New York City. His books of poetry include Coming Alone, from this year, and Primitive State. Coming Alone is an avant-garde book that invites the reader to enter a reading, reading experience through its form. The words border the white space, or the white space frames the words, and you can get lost. You might find yourself trying to cling to, cling to anchors, as we call them in class, um, themes that reappear, but they quickly disappear again. Each point is different and surprising and humorous, but could be serious. And as you try to glean meaning or just try to read, you will have to make decisions on how you read, and then you'll have to live with yourself. So you really have to try it. It's really an experience. Um, other of Berrigan's books include Notes from Irrelevance. I just have to take a breath. I'm so nervous here. Ooh. It's my first time introducing a famous poet, so thank you for that opportunity. <laughs> Other of your books include Notes from Irrelevance, Free Cell, Skazers with Don John Coletti. He is currently editing a book of interviews from the Poetry Project newsletter to be published by Wave Books in spring of 2017, titled What is Poetry? Just Kidding, I Know You Know. He is the poetry editor of the Brooklyn Rail and a former artistic director of the Poetry Project at St. Mark's Church, where part of his job was to administer hundreds of poetry readings like this one. He is co-chair writing at the Milton Avery Graduate Institute of the Arts. Eileen Miles, UCSD professor emeritus of fiction writing and a personal friend of Anselm Berrigan, introduced him here in 2004, saying of his poetry that she was astonished in a totally mundane way. Some of Berrigan's lines do have a mundane quality. He said at the same reading that he mines material from the news and television with a fascination for the strange poetics of semi-consciously trying to write something that would be like his version of the CNN ticker that runs by on the bottom of the screen. But Berrigan's CNN ticker at times transforms the mundane into the sublime. For example, a line from one of his poems could describe how his body of poetry mentions animals, something which I really enjoyed, um, as a forlorn smattering of animal magic. How he treats his animal subjects, including extinct animals, is anything but mundane. It's magical, and this extends to the other subjects that pop up in his experimental work time and time again. Berrigan's politics may sometimes read as hilarious blurbs, but his politics are a serious one. When he last read here, he spoke of 9-11, an event that deep, deeply affected him, and recently he has spoken about the poetry, or lack thereof, of the, US, of the current U.S. presidential campaign. Um, on a biographical note, becoming a father and being a father has been important to him, and he is the son of poets Alice Notley and Ted Berrigan, and stepson of the poet Douglas Oliver. Ted Berrigan once said of his own readers that they could learn something about him by hearing his voice. And I'm excited to learn more about Anselm Berrigan by hearing his. Um, yes, we can hear him on YouTube, but considering he said he's interested in consciousness and the question of the public consciousness, I think it's special that... Um, you know, we hear him here together today. A poem from Berrigan's 2011 book, Notes from Irrelevance, describes, I think, what introductions, which are the shortest form of biography, do. It reads, Accepted denial of biography's tension with anything less than total capacity for kindness on the outside, the surfaces, the skating conditions across a version of the present. Introductions can't help what they are. But I'm glad Anselm Berrigan is here to help us constru construct a version of the present this evening. To steal some more of Eileen Miles' words, Anselm Berrigan's poetry has the lazy tension of rock lyrics, the sexy obscurity of adamantly experimental work, the availability of good advertising, and the mutability of nature itself, whatever kind. 
If I were a friend of Anselm Berrigan, I might use a, a familiar nickname to introduce him. In a poem of his from 1999, the banana peel is an important part of the ecosystem. And in a subsequent blog post, um, he disclosed his nicknames, which I've censored um, due to the all, all ages nature of our show today. But they have included Annie Annie Oakley, Anzi Slam, Arnold Anton Ralton Leston Selptum Taunton Selptum Workton. He wrote that during a 12-year period, no day went by during which he wasn't referred to by half a dozen nicknames, a condition which, as one might imagine, had caused to infect his humor with a brooding idiosyncrasy. And I don't feel that I could use a familiar nickname to introduce you, Mr. Bergen, because I'm a stranger, but I made a strange nickname for you, and it's Californiaton for when you come to California to do a reading. So welcome, and thank you for coming. <laughs> and um, it's an honor to produce produce and present Anson Berrigan. <laughs> Thanks. Um, if I speak this loud, is that going to reach everybody back there? Is, this gonna, is that going to work? Okay. I think I quit watching CNN in 2004 right after that reading. Um, let's see. I'm going to start by reading some poems um, that are, most of which have the titles Pregrets, Regrets, and Degrets. And uh, the operating logic of the titles is something like um, Regret or Regrets. I imagine you have some experience or familiarity with those. Pregrets are like getting ready to have regret. And then degrets are a breakdown space that happens afterwards. But what they really are are words to put at the top of the page that underneath of which you can maybe say anything you want. But I was interested in writing these poems and trying to put things together that I didn't think were supposed to go together and then deal with the problem that I put them together and therefore they did go together. Which will make no sense until you maybe, until you hear them. All right. That's nervousness turning into rambling. Now here's a poem. <laughs> Degrets. All the K's rise as yellow squares. Now that trivia has run its course, live soft soil through the entrails of post-knowledge. Time feels up a slight. I just help the folks to my right cheat at general knowledge. No Grexit. Hell is other corporations on the Budapest airport chain mail list. White terrorism cuts the oxygen mid-range, active, long, grazing in the graveyard. Rode an elephant in the zoo on your head. Then I rode an elephant on your eyes, previously suspended. Ideas of no idea how hard it is to attempt. Twenty short poems in a glaze. I hear them literally running unconscious interference. And dude walks in to take everyone out again, gift-wrapping chips around my heart in honor of alone time. Human summons light to prove and be proven. It's not so hard to give up everything. It's a matter of exchanging voices. Post-corpse started following you. It's very hard to retrain your listening. I've got this cost for a bout. I keep it permanently loose somewhere around way over there. I'm a covered base, levitating carry-ons in the sub-extinction to achieve a feature. Lean flake jimmies a lake where I gather roofs raise eyes today Picasso hidden in a cast with crested plane freaked me out pointed panic chins way to transfoliation tinge of wobble messlessness pregrets pregrets 
Caution tapes, participants yap, commotion tells us to blow patience in the strangers. Edge rental said, be fine, that broken body had a being in a humor consortium. Lean your body in without leaving the line. Hold things up, make them pay. Random potable 20s and 80s sampling. Shoebill dreaming of digging lungfish up and into greater kudu today. Pre-combine background measure, if you're not a stuffed turnaround... The diorama following you, flash floods eternity, confrontation with Gemsbach, sunflower helmet leans in the ribcage near elephant model oldling observing through glass eyes. Do they really never see me? Really? Never really? With sand on your tushy and pantry pests, a nice enough piece of sense. Trade-in required, the humongous tentacle erupting in the golf tourney asks what vulgarity means. It's one of the forms of life. A book in reverse farewell replies, conqueror in red projection, the beach and edge of ground for matter factual monstrosity approval ceases to be linear as soon as it makes appearances, words root up ending your littlest parts for starters. Regrets. Not reading properly. Too slow, too fast, too loud. Mind eye split, too dumb, impatient, too much known to be patient with the page's claims to knowing, too polite, not tired enough, not high enough, can't see anything, can't retain, process, implode, give in, too much spite towards hints of judgment, too much desire for the digressive explosive diction, self-rhetoricized in the passive ideal. Too much indulgence of sound, not enough projection, not enough big sloppy American projection onto prosaic flatline story, not enough belief in argument, not enough machinery, not enough soft edge, not enough shame temperament on the lackadaisical interpretation front. Too much detachment from character, not enough faith in allegory, no faith in allegory, metaphor, objectivity, interrogation of the construct while letting another be made. Too much much selection, too much suspension, not enough obliteration, too much recognition of chaos as shapely, too much patience for the jam to make its cuts, not enough listening, too much, too, too, too much listening. There's a person sort of described at a certain point in this poem who does, in fact, represent nonfiction. Pregrets. Brain will skip these stations in both directions. Blackout blink on the mind. On-the-go transit info kiosks a hit. You know planned service changes didn't do it. The Degas rehearsal dancers in their slasher flick masks didn't do it. The El Greco portrait of St. Jerome's hung too high over the fucking fireplace to do anything. No grip to lose. Happy bestriding a grotesque fish. Decomposure on mantle. Innocent of alienware gaming grunts. Open to unremediated flosure of misperceptions, ding, set for news. There comes unnameable horror, an endless scroll of possible names to choose. Or here goes Rococo twist of sconce and reflection, ad me, ado, anahi. Fella always dressed only in white, white top, 
white slacks, white eggshell cap, white mutterings for years nearby, picks up flattened can halfway across third and first white ladder walk, chucks it in the northwest corner trash bin, cult of blue skies derangeable mail campaign, ass ready to interject Q-tip's voice, following body from room to cave to slidewalked afterpath, handwriting an only drawn idea, accords with a choke enticed ocelot at the animation pit, slant shack swallows shadow snack all this time banished let the ghostly remains go image hope it's a sweet cost let the ghostly remainders scatter or move let remains of a ghostly image remain you better move I'll read one more of these poems Degrets Weirding spotlit apertures, cormorant neck in hell's gate gray, oath keepers patrol the fringe, making images of controlled insanity, a closed cube unborn to non-interior, the blues come forward, white a deathly institution, cross-concept punishing armature, inert reflectivity is a sign, the interior ruptured pineapples are cloning, coming. Outward seep, recesses shooting up ink is what the D fantasizes over. The spaceship snapshot of the former planet lay plainly on my desktop, green-like, blue-like, oil-like, red. Cylinders float stuck-like to what techno was when no window blues assault an illusion of light into the body hole. Fold me. Creature in male skin lurks between stranger and corner. I test the lock politely. This other person recedes into rent. Sometimes I'm cool with the colors being flat. Mantle thumps behind my spine, wash tannins off mugged conscience. Should I read this shit in progress to the Wi-Fi stranger to my left? Phone dead, you can't find me, who can't quite understandably. The understanding platform eraseth. Where the weather suits... I'm a skin that bears slovenly dress to uphold a counter-pro invisibly. There were whole histories in every body that spoke, directly or half, near and to me. The ledge commands a conclusionary charcoal magenta smog. The other stammers a gentle subsidy to go. I'm going to read from this book that Shelby mentioned. Come in alone. The uh, I always want to hold this thing up and say, "Hey, look at this," you know, but you're not going. You can't see it. But these poems are sort of written, or they're typeset along the edges of the page. But in reality, when I was reading the poem, or writing the poems, I was writing them at the very edge of a large sketchbook, blank page, no lines, and um, I started writing them and I realized after the first couple that you know you pick a spot to start and you write all the way around the edge and then once you close the uh, form and make the shape you finish the poem and suddenly it has no beginning and no end oh, that was great it was like magic and cheating and a secret all at the same time so I wrote a hundred of them and figured nobody would ever want to publish them and then I found this press that was willing to publish them, which was amazing. Um, and I'm still w waiting for them to come and take all the books away from me, actually. And uh, so I have to pick spots to read them from, and then I have to turn this book around and look really uh, interesting, or somewhere between interesting and foolish reading them. 
but they're really fun to read. Let's see. Which, you know, is not the kind of thing that you're supposed to say at a poetry reading, but I don't spend my time at readings saying the things you're supposed to say, I guess. Up your urbane choice. Choose your own mangled indentity to be faunted in the crap ding. See notations poodle. Ignore its give-off. File a fundraising campaign for honey-basted cryptics who need your self-perceived perversions to unwind, to strive like black crocs, like painting with black arch, like still life with chair caning, like mellow crypt, like compatibility modes to be real, outside but in extension of given space. Up your urbane choice. Adamantium simplicity of life's lifelike costume tuned to quotation ultimately rebooted the various trust covers call it my paint faintfully being I unless asked and even then it's not exactly that don't reflect pain on the face side of blank with cap italicized B traded this morning Antonio Bastardo and John Mayberry Jr. for Sergio Santos in frozen ropes a manatee baseball league's adamantium simplicity of life's lifelike costume. Zebra stalls my favorite plastic picked blooming feelings causing flab attack future no budgie. Here's your pretty red handmade hat with red pom-poms, your big sass bag. Renderer, follower, number of things, attack and decay, proof that butt, old spank fashion linkage. And when the light gets turned on to be conscious waste, you better carry. You mean the air apocalypse had been happening and this is the aftermath? Zebra stalls my favorite plastic picked blooming. Feelings causing flab attack future, no budgie. Here's your purdy red handmade hat with red pom-poms, your big sass bag. Renderer, follower, number of things, attack and decay. Proof that butt olds fashion linkage. And when the light gets turned on to be conscious waste, you better carry. You mean the air apocalypse had been happening and this is the aftermath? Being directed... Resembling nature, surrounding temporary objects washed instead of hugged, the scribbled silence, candle, glass, spicy red shit and plastic eternity container. We sit here looking like I'm doing approachably this, you or I to love, the sounds we don't intend, decades from nowness, images of memories, vice versa, or otherwise, domestic thuggeries, kluge in uniform battles itself for victory, actual user compensated for appearing, acting, being directed, resembling nature. As we squeeze a bin of life out of a few seconds of your, I mean, oh, you didactic prig, pity the poor reptiles, the old meanness of magnificent feeling, the fuck-all-y'all part of community politics, the box of speech aiming to grope in a canless rickshaw, the puny wide-eyed ones, but and so I liked, but and so I lasciviously fantasized about a holiday in convention, any old convention will do, famed Hitchcock actor dies as we squeeze a bin of life out of a few seconds. Backdoor politesse. 
some jobbed contingency, who became too old to be angry, you guess, gradating millionish, who's beheaded by color, color and color, in skirts of stress, no of, no stafuck disliked, the middling distance of reaction, defronted, republics of realty, impractically speaking, an inside of well-schooled outsiders, a video zoo herded by leaps, transfoliated, appropriate, speaking incessantly behind, any old abysses, backdoor politesse. It all leaks in. And on the next lap, all the gongs get robbed. I was a fossilized lightning bolt. I shit the magnanimous bed. The outer mouths, not exactly months or moths, schlocking deliberately, synth-based, cruel summer style, promises the lingo to lie at least once per message for the sake of the short leash, among other fevers needlessly treated. We see you rocking out in your with-it budget battles. It all leaks in, and on the next lap all the gongs get robbed. I was a fossilized lightning bolt. I shit the magnanimous bed. I'm not respecting the all-ages rule. (laughs) To quell colic at its misconception, that anaconda just wants hugs from J-Lo and Ice Cube, Moss and Dirge Encore. Truly, it's astute to yell at every body, at times. It's the impulse's problem, pole, secret, gray lober arrested. I divest and divest, looking for Melmoth or a quarter. The baby takes its time, stamping duration, spit-up recognitions, no article nor attack of fragility, reading vanishing points, bouncing on this big blue ball to quell colic at its misconception. Matters of babied space, as to lichen, the concept must be graspable at the outset or verily most outsized as gasps, freight of speech I have channels, obsific speedjacks, decision to be gong to the queen musical dimension, colored, unwilling, or in fact uncornered, the issue is not credible, you daydream a nation of you, thinking intervention, thinking intervention, thinking intervention, matters of babied space, as to lichen, the concept must be graspable at the outset or verily most outsized as gasps. <coughs> Means what again? Arrived in quotation, according to every working memory available to dream, unlicensed, coma, cosmotic, windshield zips, animated violence, super-duper, super-duper belly, spicy extra ball at 47,700,000, represents the recent extinguished past, emphasized start to treat the digital animals boadly gaining a just-watch sparkle, the oversized helmet bouquet to nirvana, discursive means what again? Go again, besides which, uneasy, even, at the back of the mind, especially, got to pee, fill you in when I'm back, fantasy, in the scheme of things, we do and we do, hard times stay put, speaking of near past, the stitches drop, free later, like drift, starting to, me exactly, anyhow, put hand out to break the fall, butts, two, get a bite later, ready in a few, back shortly, well, you may ask, that Sunday, find a quarter, go again. I'll just finish by reading a couple pages from this uh, book called Notes from Irrelevance. Um, 
which is also a poem called Notes from Irrelevance, which is also a book called Notes from Irrelevance. Let's see. Y'all all right? Okay. Have I gone over time already? I forgot to keep track of things, even though I put my phone underneath all my poems on this podium, which is why I forgot to keep track of things. You could rent this podium for $500 a month in New York. All right. Sorry. <laughs> I know I'm in the bacon. I don't have to have it shown back to me. I want to eat and be eaten. There's no particular mystery in that sense. The generic, rambling, passe mysteries of space, time, friendship, filthy rumination, and little curvy bends in the air when the funeral arrangements are being made in two broken languages, and you haven't slept because you're heavier than sleep for extended lack of it. That's what I'm eliminating thought to handle. Blank is blank is blank is blank. To be scores and assumptions and inked goddess did not command. I bet against my own aloof relations with family, society, labor, and intellect. I've mostly suppressed the desire to compete with everyone but myself, and we are on a race to lose most innately with kindly hostility to one another. More saving, more moving, a component of trust in hand might be routine for removing dated skin. I am not most comfortable removing layers of myself at no one's behest. To not pull vision off the impact possible among spheres stick and who's gonna glove your pretty little hand to not make orders of oneself so rhetorically abject my sense of my own history with images is such that I consciously developed a willingness to let them go, to not take pictures, though I'd keep feverishly those gifted to me. I might like the feeling of photo men I looked like something. Vanity, to affect, to desperate preservation of a moment that never felt settled or even moment-like. I've kept hold of some shots and now let fly an archive online of pics other peeps put up that has very little to do with me. This is a PG bar. The tender does not approve of our vulgarity. Studying overload for teachability feels a little too now. The computer, not the quesadilla, told me about a moment wherein my father, talking to an old friend, waxed nostalgic for a moment they cohabited, an extended moment, and a fellow who heard the rap from above got mad and 32 years later related his anger in a comment box as way of saying he couldn't deal with the sadness he perceives in Ted's poetry. Is that a fair judgment of a person based on an overheard remark to a then-geographically distant old running buddy about how great they were in their day together? This stuff, I'm sorry, moves too much, is too heavy. You will have to be replaced in order for any of it to get caught. Does the poet improve her lot by working harder to compensate for the minor snuffing of instinct? No. Does the poet have a lot? I write with the fact of being in civilization as context to which it is hardly necessary to refer unless some use gets cajoled to the surface, making plans to make plans, forming a foundation for invisible suburbs within the city. On the question of influence, I seem to have forgotten all the names, places, objects, friends, failures, experiences that might make up the requisite list. I at some point decided to be or became, understanding later, influenced by potentially anything 
anything. Alignment with lineage or historical arc felt superfluous after that. There are no conscious connections within me at all. My phone doltish on purpose, all thinking made of remarks, inhabiting a borrowed consciousness till human voices wake me. I scare strangers away by sidling up to them and writing in public. I don't really see the difference between modernism and Al-Qaeda. I'm looking to visit an authorized dealer. I'm collaborating with myself on a mini Casio keyboard. I'm going to make a list of all the people who've influenced me in any way with a brief explanation as to how. Reality's frail blooming is of no concern being only there. One mirrors the dynamics of massing without reason lies and honest productive lie awaits questions. I got my first real six-string to play a flamenco version of Kibbles and Bits. I was taking the twelve or twenty questions seriously, then saw some poets of quality taking them less seriously. Impulses following include being more serious, being less serious, being something else, forgetting about it, turning enemy, being happy and free on a bike in San Francisco, ignoring and or leaving the party of thought. It's no small thing to wish to abandon thought. It's no thing, in fact. But it's hard to talk about when talking is one of your vessels for thinking. True loneliness, for me, is being in a room full of thinkers too busy to listen to me answer their questions, which I am dying for want of being asked. As currently one of the six billion plus, I must say that meaning is not difficult to find. In fact, being a poet and generally oversensitive son of a bitch prone to cathartic self-retaliation at perceived slights while maintaining a surface of competent if protean functionality, I find meaning to be constantly on the offensive, attacking my desire to get going and be a responsible citizen in terms of hours on the job with their seemingly effortless reminders of intent though I don't give a rat's ass about hours on the job, as my former employees can attest, so long as they aren't destructively fucking about. I'm not talking about big-picture meaning, which is for weakness, but micro-meanings, the fact that that tick means to bite you behind the knee and suck a little blood out, not giving a shit it's been on a deer all night and is likely going to make you ill as all hell, a sickness meaning with ruthless intent to recast you as quite alive. Thank you. Karen Weiser cites Jack Spicer in the postscript of her book, Or the Ambiguities, in which she considers the poem as Ouija board, quote, how we dead men write to each other. But Weiser's texts are not dead and not men, nor interested, it seems, in tradition in the way tradition has often silenced the not dead, not men. Her work asks, how do we absorb the hereditary and make it personal when so much of our tradition is built from a position we will never inhabit? And how does the personal translate back to us from the dead? In this state of seance or trance, her writing strips bare the markings of time and space that would indicate a logic to lineage. 
Instead, the language moves as breath moves. Quote, for as the breath in all our lungs is hereditary and my present breath at this moment. In this sense, language becomes ours when it enters our bodies and our bodies become it. Like breath, the poetic gesture here is both controlled and automatic. It happens, quote, when some other kind of thinking occurs. This complex inheritance not only informs but becomes form in Weiser's text, which inhabits inheritance in the most subtle, daily, lived ways. The book, published by Ugly Duckling Press last year, breaks open inheritance by mirroring it, tracing but also deconstructing language at its roots, subverting tradition into the shape of the absence at its center. Here is where the inheritance goes. Just ease these two tight forms at your wrist, she says. They're made of the systems that hang us through. Or the Ambiguities is Weiser's second collection of poetry, along with her first book, To Light Out, also from Ugly Duckling in 2010. She is a 2014 New York Foundation of the Arts Poetry Fellow, with recent residencies through the Marble House, the Rauschenberg Foundation, and the Lower Manhattan Cultural Council. Please join us in warmly welcoming Karen Weiser. Hi. Um, thank you for that lovely introduction. It was terrific. And um, thank you, Sandra and Ben, for bringing us out, and all of you for coming tonight, or today, I should say. Um, I'm going to read two poems, two longish poems. Uh, the first one is relatively new. Can you guys hear me all right? Good. Okay. It's called Spells for Solids. And I've been thinking a little bit about the idea of a spell as something analogous to a poem in that you conjure it. Um, and uh, the idea of a spell being um, like the verb to spell, put one letter next to another. And also sit a spell, like a, something embodying a moment of time. And also when someone wants to teach you something, they can spell you. So uh, it's been kind of a generative uh, starting off point. And uh, I've also been thinking a little bit about the gender of magic and how um, the alchemists were male thinkers, and that's kind of early magic, and um, witches, of course, are generally uh, kind of a female magic. And um, so Spells for Solids, I hope you'll just kind of listen and go with it. It's uh, I've been doing some procedures on the poems, so... They're breaking themselves down a little bit, and um, the character, and the becomes kind of a character. Let's see. So, spell for social speech. Sweet, 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 sack. A bauble of light to search and to take. Break, 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 break. Not thine to spin in the brush against legal spake. A house of pictures sliced into, sliced out. Run, 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 run. Run a curse to work in the look, to search in the twitch, to spell in the float. Spell for many seats. Grows larger, sudden blur as it becomes alive. Gets a name when its outlines are traced, although one that is perpetually interrupted says on my shoulder still, 
that you existed before the interrupts your present self. Night leaks out. Move. This point, the cotton layer of silence of narrative possibilities you have entered, the halls of the dead, is to wonder what. And so I concluded in my fitful way that the passage of time it takes for these words to reach the workings of thought. But the more I deliberated on the process of a thought, the more the water moved over the edge to where I stood. It is perverse to record vision, only to shift out of range when to focus something is squeezed out. Almost a sea creature, the opening a mouth, thing, but then the tracing is a mental act, a ritual rude in the physicality of tracing. Oracles speak, but suddenly that self feels foreign. There can be both unpleasant and untenable spells that I put there as insulation stretches thin. In the field, a hushed and still hushing wood. Return to the green light this poem is spelling. Was no question it was remarkable if water had risen, making a foghorn sound along the another, along the commonplace and hungry, and sound stretched back along the bank, breaking the process of erasure. Spots tincture my field. Steamroller rolls over the metal box and... At that moment, she realizes that she holds an object, its name through first a rune made of kelp, galders to her, the blindness on my shoulder. Nagging twitch. Spells walk the ancient road and start. One refuses to move until we say, a foghorn, the lapping, and this remarking shatters into birds. Their repetitive calls, a brief loan I fearfully accept. Poem near hungry ants. Silent, they move more slowly, but just when you want to see the effect, your vision pull away. In her hands, though she has no memory of it, the green of the sea at the top of a wave. Okay, the is a horizon. Its expanse no consolation, but a watch, death. You being moved. Therefore, rain prayer to its lifeless bird, casting. The, the water, the myriad half-notes drifting away, except for the. Spell words out in molasses and place the over my eyes, pulled cloud across what I see, impaired by the steamroller itself, which will, as I and her, it loses its boundaries, which margins of pure light as my eyes refocus. Then nettle to the good feel. You are. Love balloon caught in the tree. Cast no shadow, but the conversation has stopped in strangers. Turn you to a page without looking. The ocean or even the rain can dislodge the them, ignoring their slight shadow, but glimpse and can't these obstructions in my eyes. Sitting in the lag of time. Disappear until I blink and then reappear with wider touch. Okay, I. Night blight, says the night. A branches. My tail and overlapping alliances. That effort to make safe. These ties to relating incantation. Print the in glue and pour sand on them so shapes from the words. There is a reflex that there are times when they are what I want to people. Their secret animals wait patiently. Some. She examines its structure and sees as she peers that each room contains a mirror with ghost-like eyes, awkward sloping stance that makes her think it seems from the other side though that retracts me with its evanescence, and all the to the night go dim, leaving us alone. No, every dollar I touched was dirty because, waking, I do not know that she has died. Open my front door. There is the, is the solution to wax the rain will make visible, fleetingly, enough to imprint a dark spot, 
many workmen come too. Deeper into it, each fold holds a tiny room and reflection of her own self, those widely spaces of herself, insect-like. A special door up around leads I am not sure, and being sure is the thing that always hints but never gives. These are spells in the dark. One day I, that I could no longer not I, was in my hands. At first there about her, and friendships similarly caught. I always look when I'm your midlife crisis. Stencil the poems concrete in what was not visible before. Did I stare the sun long? It pulses, sepia as we dual blue. Breathe in another and not the word complete. Where is the hinge? I began to recoil from knowing and then mourning, a blind remembering. This will be one of a feeling toward friendship. Bless you. The ghosts push in, humid vestibule with its packages for neighbors. It is in paper. Many than many seats. How are you guys doing? Still with me? Sepia blue, sepia blue, a spell, find letters after hand. The turning point was thick, suddenly a recoiling. You have that awful every few moments when I will be explicit and plant-like, limpness crowding the post office. Use lemon juice ink and blowtorch to burn. Oddly partitioned in shape, simultaneously she stares. She sits on my shoulder, spell in my ear. The static, diagrams he drew on paper napkins, left inky blots, his hands on my head, while disappearing through a minuscule hole in the oxygen levels. Parts of you know she has, but I began to notice the deep green that spreads over ghost lurk behind. Damp from the rain, we... Wavering sound of the voice of the dead. What it is, compromised, discontinuous, credible. Looked at, reflected fractal-like at a myriad of angles. Some gold, brown, moss green, cloud. I can see illustrating systems, the pens in his shirt pocket, that he sang a prayer to protect me. The day's seconds are spaceship's walls, and the alarm sounds as parts of you, the majority of you perhaps do not. The field of vision a wax coating, as if the humid are threading one moment to the next with the large rather of your body. My ways of looking have my gaze floating peripherally, a guarantee against itself. I stare at the thing. It hovers and sways in her hands, fragile and bulbous. Bewitch us presumes a simultaneity there this whole time. Light and sound carry inside of the mean. Would the sand feel more or less available? Again, to convince the parts you, the parts you refuse that hold all the parts. In the rustle of the thin paper, the specks of the hourglass let loose, vulnerable. It's opening a circle of I can see inside. It's shaped so that coming, an idea is feeling oneself that desire. Want to say flaccid, but really, you have to remember she is not, again, and knowledge be that the constitutive thread inside squares of record sleeves, I can feel the uncontained, the frame too changed. She twitches in surprise and the object drops. A filters the light so our eyes adjust. There about me, irreversible gravity, I answer my buzzer and package God is empty with precarious at angles dust motes. 
Enveloping fog hangs in the air past sunset to become other, less answered thoughts. This is a weird poem. I'm just realizing that. (laughs) It's the first time that I've read it in its current form. Um, Okay, so uh, I think it has. I have like a few more, and then um, and then it'll be. Then we'll move on. Um, But it is weird, right? It just struck me reading to you that I've taken out some pieces of information, and so the kind of twisting that the poem is doing on itself is, um, which I really like, but um, some of the things that I've pulled out, it's um, it's kind of, it's pulling, I feel like it's pulling you in a whole bunch of different directions that I hadn't quite realized. Okay. So. To the thing not visualized, it is comprehensive. The dark. Would it drift up and outward? A there left for me downstairs? Then how can belief be in? When I think humid, what I am feeling is a kind of a gray bank of hovering. What is true presence but... And do solids always have special doors with police when they come? The float its own Latin, precarious at angles with dust. But then there, suddenly vulnerable and uncontained, is a note in the exact place the body intuits. Handsome conductors provide entry or mislead the caption. I do not believe in empty when I am that ringing. Or would it just simply pink specks bit from the rain? What is listening but one every at the exact same? The police are also here in your symmetry. They hold it close. Maybe each particle swallows these knowings, something for a cat or a child. Cotton layer of silence put there as if never. I could not break it off, nor would open its interior, and that could finally be. It will be the ringing which stretches the insulation. It will be a surprise rain will make me feel. You will not dream of her at some point when the fragments of you reconstitute in the future, when parts of you agree that she has died, themselves into a new broken shape, a movement. In the painting he is eight, on his left his mother sits. Her eyes are dark and large, holding fast anyone who looks at her. The stubborn of faded blue, her hands left a blur, her mouth, V, ungraspable. Okay, so that's uh, spells for solids. And then I thought I'd read um, uh, um, some of the poem that, um, what was your name again? Who, you introduced me? Sarah mentioned or actually quoted from. It's called Dear Pierre. Um, it's in Or the Ambiguities. And I guess the only thing that I want to say about uh, this poem is that it's written with uh, lines from Herman Melville's Pierre or the Ambiguities and um, kind of like Anselm um, uselessly held up his book. I'm going to hold up mine. So if you don't know this, we're married and our poems are really nothing alike. But um, so, uh, but the funny thing is, is that this last book, that, which our books came out around the same time, are both uh, kind of concrete visual poems, which was a great surprise to me when I realized that finally, after being married for so long, like something that we were doing, even though our work doesn't sound anything alike, it coincided, um, which was kind of nice and, um, and weird because uh, uh, it wasn't something that we ever, you know, talked about. Um, and, uh, but anyway, so I'm going to hold up the book and you can see that um, 
that there, there's a line at the top and a line at the bottom that's kind of a full line, and one is mine and one is Melville's, and then the, the letters are disappearing. And so the empty space that Sarah talked about in the middle is kind of part of the form of the poem. Um, and so the, the letters disappearing means that when I read, I'm not having an epileptic fit, you're just gonna hear the words kind of broken down just so that you are prepared. <laughs> okay, so dear Pierre, I was 18 when my parents died in a plane crash. The decade after that is bare. I sight why in a rash that, that I sit where I in a shh, that is there. I in a shh is here I, shh is shh. Low or low or lols or he lols here or the breath Lols, hear it be that moment, for as the breath in all our lungs is hereditary and my present breath at this moment. Our mirrors were covered. There were strangers in our house all day long. I don't, your mirror recovered. Here rests in your house a day on, on. You mirror over rests in you a house a yon, um, oh, rest new. Say, um, or say, um. Oh, oh, pure angel, oh, pure angel rests. Oh, oh, Pierre, now angel led rest and a liar, oh, out of Pierre, but now strangely led, the rest formed and familiar to outline of Pierre, but now strangely filled with features transformed and unfamiliar to Remember eating, my clothes were torn, I wore no shoes, people only spoke to my, if I remember at my other, we or I or no show, I only spoke to me, I remember my, the, or, or, shh, only poke me ember, my Thor, like ember, my whole be. Or air, or, or, oh, air made, or, or, oh, in the air form, me dear, or or no living in the air for humanity, me dear, no more, oh, no more, no living thing in the fair form of humanity that holds me dear, no more, oh, no more. Spoke to them, no childhood, no home, no confirmation of memory, symbols made me, spoke them, no hidden me no con men or souls them spoke the o i'd no on a an or dem okay he o no a road o he o no o wound elf swoon at anguish self swoon hat anguish head to itself on the beach his swoon recoil of that anguish which had dashed him out of itself upon the beach of his swoon. Feel again, I could feel when something was focused into a way of saying feeling, as if a feel in, I feel something focused away, saying as if feel I feel thin, used way in, as I feel I feel in use, and as I feel us and if, or Feel more, O oh, ear, feel morph, 
O ear kin, was feeling morph, own no earthly kin. T was this feeling oathsome, orphan owned no earthly kith or kin. Yet was this feeling entirely loathsome and orphan-like. Line was pulling me back into my body. Words gave me back a body. It was all I knew. Spin me back in my words. Have me a body. Twas all I knew. Pin me back in or save me. Oi, sane. In, in, oh, say, sane. Oh, say, say. Here I cave. Here how I cave there. The low river, the cave, are ether-led, and the lowing river, the cave of careless wither, be led, less here I land. The flowing river in the cave of man, careless whither I be led, reckless where I land, was drowned, but somehow I could see a way of seeing, and it has never failed me, was owned, but how could a way see sever led me, was owned to day severed me was on to seem so see so yes yes I yes I wist he yes when skies ill wist here yet slaking even skies ill dew and mists till moisture here Ye thirst-slaking evening skies, ye hilly dews and mists, distill your moisture here. Being still and always dead, the only wholeness, a totality of change. Fourteen years later, being till always dead, the whole lit change. Your near later, being always a whole lit near later, in a ways a whole lit Later, I was lit. I feel. I feel air. I feel. If here peace vies to feel frank, if that there peace divides one day, feel frank. I feel that there can be no peace in individualness. I hope one day to feel myself drank up. Held her tremblingly, she bent over toward him, his mouth wet her ear. He whispered it. Do you guys ever read Melville's Pierre? So that's the moment where, uh, so he pretends to marry his sister, and that's the incestuous moment. It's really crazy. Um, and so the, everyone always talks about that moment where his mouth wet her ear. So whenever I read it, I think, um, okay, here we are <laughs> at this moment when I have the image, when this kind of amazingly weird, which is apparently, you know, it was this book that he published that um, people uh, thought he went completely crazy. Um, and the, the headline was Herman Melville Crazy. And, of course, it was what he published after Moby Dick, and Moby Dick was a huge failure. Um, and this this book was even more. It was just, I think, like five copies sold. Um, and now it's really considered um, a lot of people, especially poets, I think, consider it like one of the best Melville works. So um, it's definitely, if you like weird books, that's it's a weird one, partly because um, the narrator is – a lot of these lines are from the narrator – and they're really flowery. Can you hear how flowery they are? Like, till your dewy, mi dewy mists, till moisture here. So he's using all these antiquated, kind of all this antiquated language. Um, 
So uh, it's it's a pretty weird book. Um, okay, so here we are. Um, I'm going to just read uh, two more of these, but I have to read the incestuous one. So here we go. Held her tremblingly. She bent over toward him. His mouth wet her ear. He whispered it. Trembling, she bent toward him. His ether ear whispered. Embling, he his ether ear whispered. Bling, he be her wisp. Ling be her wisp in her wisp is I'd I'd on you I bid on you liar I bid lines on you liar I have birdly wholeness a total angel you liar I gave birth and the only wholeness was a totality of change while hugely pregnant for Sir, you are a swindler. Upon the pretense of writing a popular novel for us, you have... Sir, you are a wind. Upon the tense, a polar verse. You wind the tense, polar, own the soul, one, oh, one. O, O, R, O, ions aren't loving, relations aren't loving, relations with my aren'ts, once alive, moving, ought I... Relationship with my parents is once again alive, moving. The girl is my daughter and I. Thank you. Thanks so much. Uh, typically we have a couple minutes to, for questions and answers. I know this might be a good time for those of you who uh, need, need to roll to, to do that, and then we can have a, a conversation with people who don't have to roll. Uh, so, so roll if, you, if you've got to roll. Uh, then we can... combo, uh, uh, but we have, like, there's a lot of topics that we can cover with, with two bodies, so let's just put them over here and, and uh, we'll, we'll let it rip. Uh, so, anybody have a question? Gina. Oh, right, right. And then I, to Karen, 
you also have the Absin Center, and then what we're reading it as is kind of like the deconstruction of like the subversion of the text coming back in your name. And I want to just know what you guys think the Absin Center does in your work, or how you think of it in terms of poetry um, and the line. Do you want to go first? Well, that poem is about is really about absence and loss and grief. So I wanted the form for me. the The absent center was kind of the very real experience of grieving um, and losing. Um, you know, the kind of such a profound loss that you are kind of always then working from a place of absence. So I wanted the form to um, to mirror that, but on a but also the mirroring, the, 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 the kind of rebuilding of the self. Uh, so like there's a, a, you move through the absence and then you actually physically have to reconstitute, which, you know, and then of course you turn the page and the whole thing happens again. So, but the, the form itself had to have the absence. But also one of the main um, themes in Pierre that comes up again is the absent center. And I think the line is, you mind the pyramid uh, you mind the empty pyramid in Pierre. So there's also this kind of uh, uh, obsession with the empty center. So it seems always like a good um, a, a good place to start from. I um that that last poem or that last piece, yeah, the last poem in the, in Coming Alone is uh, it, it's there are two pieces in the book that are made entirely out of language taken from somebody else's work and and one of them early on is uh there's one that says the line uh has the words 99 cent blackened um i I can't quite remember it but that that's all made from poems by my friend john coletti it's all it's made from it's words from poems by my friend john coletti but the last one in the book the, the the thing about um, getting rid of line and composition and 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 putting things kind of off the center just a bit. That's all from a, an interview with the painter Willem de Kooning, actually, when he was talking about doing his um, paintings uh, of women, and I I used that because I had this feeling that I could just keep going and that um, with the form because the form was so attractive, but I, that I perhaps run out of I'd done everything that I could do with it, and the way to get out of it was to use somebody else's words to kind of give me the exit and, and get out of it in that case. But for me, the um, I was really trying to find a way to break out of form constraints that I had in my imagination for a long time, and, and, and I was also trying to find a way back from a kind of more prosy version for me of writing that I'd been doing and also I was working three jobs and um, our second child was on the way and I I needed a way to write fast and there was something uh, you know writing out on the edge of the page was just a thing that I gambled on trying just to see what would happen and then it kind of it functions like a short form and it gave me something that I could sit down and um, and do and repeat and access everything that I'd ever learned or trained myself to to do inside of uh, a poem space, you know. And it, so, it boi- in one way, it boiled everything down to the basics, and then in another way, it gave me uh, this kind of n- new form or space to work within. And then the center space was really interesting to kind of contend with when it was over, when each instance of writing was over. But it was actually so 
I took so much concentration to write by hand up at the edge of the, the page and stay up there and move fast and get it right that I didn't even really concentrate on the center of the page until it was over. So the poems rarely refer to themselves in that, in that sense until that very end thing, but I'm just actually taking that from de Kooning, if that makes sense. That's actually really helpful for me to hear because it's a new poem, and that's what I'm aiming for. I think in order to get to to get to that, I had to be willing to strip away a lot of markers and anchors. I think you had mentioned. I think I had to take away most of the anchors to really get the focus into. I mean, that the kind of magical space that you're talking about, where um, uh, where you where you can't. There's no sense to understand. I mean, the sentences literally are grammatical often work on, you know, correcting student, you know, I teach, so I'm correcting student grammar, so this is like the worst grammar ever. I mean, I'm really breaking all the rules, a lot of the rules in order to, but not all, but I have to still provide some continuity. So you're saying the kind of movement in and out and just kind of tweaking the sentences so that they they make sense and that they, they don't, I think, um, is, was kind of the fun of, 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 the, of that poem. But yeah, I, I really want it to feel like you're experiencing um, that you can't follow it. I mean, you're, it's not meant to be followed. It's meant to just be more felt. Um, and so you're kind of moving in and out of sense. So um, I, I was also thinking a lot about the way that um, that a spell and a poem are both incantatory, so like spoken out loud. So the, the, the Bible is also really, I think, uh, part of that, but also material. So uh, I actually have some of the poems are going to be when eventually it gets put out in a book. You'll see, hopefully, you'll look it up. But it has uh, some of the poems are, are three-dimensional, like drawings of three-dimensional, the platonic solids, which I was thinking about when I was writing this. So they're, they're, the poems themselves, the words are in these particular shapes. So I'm, I'm thinking about the kind of the way that uh, that these things are, are, are runes, are like solid things that you hold. When you look at a poem, it's like a solid thing, and yet it's it's all about time and movement. So the the, the kind of uh, crazy paradox that is actually when you think about what a poem is and what it does, that it's it's always kind of moving. I mean, we talk about it, we have this language for talking about, but what it actually does is kind of beyond, in a lot of ways, beyond what we can talk about. So the poems are trying to kind of bring that to the, the focus. Could I make a comment that might be helpful? Sure. I, I recently wrote a paper the metaphysics 
talks about space, it's a little bit like yours because, you know, like in quantum physics, there's an uncertainty principle. And I actually, in, in, in the writing, actually said between the singularity and the emergence of, of, of existential world, there's, a, there's a event horizon. And I said that at the event horizon, God is an impressionist. <laughs> right? In other words, he smears things into existence because time and space did not yet exist, but it was in the process of unfolding. So it's kind of when you're talking, it kind of reminds Sounds. I'd love to hear about more about that afterwards. Thank you. Question. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I didn't another question about uh, or the ambiguity. No, I, I felt like uh, uh, like as was. It was like born out of the out of your typesetting, out of the like the form. It like they sort of like they're sort of emblematic of like your transformation into Melville or vice versa. Yeah. You're like both at once. I was wondering like at what point did your like personal relationship with Melville's work like start warranting the inception of the project? Oh, that's a really good question. Yeah, the whole the whole book is all thinking about different Melville texts. I wrote about him for my dissertation. And um, so I was writing a critical essay, and the language I was using to write the critical essay, and I'm sure you guys have this when you have to write papers, kind of analytical language, wasn't getting at something really elemental for me and Pierre, so I felt like I had to write a poem and use his language in order to actually try to understand what he was doing. Like, as much as I, the more I tried to analyze it and understand it, the the more I just wanted to write poetry. And it's actually really rare for me, so they keep my critical and my creative, it's like a moment of great collision when things kind of came together. I feel very lucky that the book kind of came out of a more analytical space, but moved into a creative one, so. Um, you mentioned in reading Smells for Solids that you had just been performing some procedures on oh, yeah. the text. So I'd be curious to hear from both of you about what kinds of procedures are happening between like initial composition on the page and then you know typesetting for a press or even before you get to that point. Well, you mentioned Heisenberg's uncertainty principle and it made me think of Joan Ritalik. And I don't know if you guys have studied Joan Ritalik and she's a really amazing writer. And um, uh, and I took a, a master class with her at the Poetry Project, like a one-day workshop, and she's really big into, into performing. She's thinking about kind of scientific, where science and poetry connect, and kind of ethics, the ethics of essay writing and of writing poetry. And, um, and she really, um, I had this moment in her workshop where she, I asked her, I said, you know, I, and I don't know if you guys yet feel this way, but I said, I just, I, I sometimes I can't, I need to get away from my own language. You know, like I just can't stand my own language because I always, I've been writing now for 20 years and I keep coming back to the same, like I really like light and space and these same, these same things, like I can't get away from them. And she said, oh, you should perform. When you perform procedures, it moves, you know, you, you can just move away as much as you can from um, kind of your tendencies. So I, so I started to, and you know, I've done a lot of procedures before, but not, in a few years, so I did things like um, for the spells. I had, um, you know, those were all started as a hundred word. Uh, they were all a hundred word section, little blocks of a hundred words, and then I, um, oh, I don't even remember what I did. I like cut them in. I, I took, I cut out every sixth word. I 
you know, chopped up the lines. I Then I took every first line from all 20 of them and, and put that into a poem, and every second line and put that into a poem. So I totally shuffled it up, and um, like a card, like a deck of cards, it just completely shuffled the, the lines and and then um, and then kind of put it back together. So that's, that's why it feels like it's, you know, kind of always falling apart. How about you, procedure? Uh, well, with the, the um, with the rectangle poems, it was, it, it was, it was finding the form, and then the form dictating the length of the poem, and right. the length of each instance of writing, and so the, um, the, there wasn't any procedure at that point to the selection of the of of diction. There was I had recognition that I had a, a pretty defined amount of material that was going to go into each piece and that um and i real and i wasn't going to try to use punctuation other than commas when i wanted to mark a pause or a separation between um words or between phrases um and that this was really going to be extremely unsentence like in 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 thought and i um, mean there are certain places where things could list or repeat a little bit and to the extent there was a procedure, I often wrote them at a place where I could situate myself in public and have a kind of line of sight out onto the street in New York and have people talking around me, music playing um, things on TV, depending on where I was, so that the input, because I needed to write fast, so I needed to have stuff swirling around me to kind of come in and, and, and help me out a little bit. But then, since you just since you mentioned publication, I it was an interesting case of writing inside of a space that I knew that I felt may not be able to be reproduced, and because of that, there was this odd lack of pressure for the work to perform itself in my head imaginatively in the future. You know what I mean? And and. And then, uh, and then eventually, I figured out a way to kind of, I write everything by hand. That's I write everything that turns out to be poems by hand, and then transfer it onto a screen at some point. And I've gotten, I've taken more and more time over the years between generating the material and getting it um, typed up because I find that I'm less judgmental. I discovered at a certain point that I was editing my material too harshly when I was typing it up too quickly, um, for probably for for different reasons, and one of them being not removed enough from the space in which it was written, and not trusting, and then because of that, not trusting certain things, you know. Um, but these poems were so hard to type up that that wasn't a problem. <laughs> and, and then eventually I realized that in just in order to see them so that I could read them, because I had started reading them at readings at a certain point and I enjoyed it, but it was hard to deal with turning the, the book and reading my handwriting. And I got book, the notebook I rained on in Philadelphia. Um, I had to type them up as four long lines, you know, and then I didn't have the software to put them together. And so it was about a five, six year process of actually getting them into the version, into the, the book form. And in the first couple of years, I didn't know if they would ever actually have a life uh, in public, and there was, but there was actually something quite freeing in a way about that. You know. So maybe one more question. I had a, I had a question. About the word procedure mm. is uh, it's intriguing. <laughs> you talk more about it. Both obviously do 
number of different um, uh, people and I think coming out of modernism have done incorporated different compositional procedures. Um, so some of them are really, you guys probably have done the exquisite corpse. Has, have you guys all done that where you take a lot, you know, you write a lot and then they haven't done it? Oh, I know that we should have, could have done one at the beginning. It's really fun. Um, you, but it's a, it's a great thing to do. It's just, they, I mean, you know, the surrealists, I guess, did it just hanging around, hanging out with their friends. You, you, you do two lines. You could do it with drawings too. And you fold over a line and you, you pass it around. And then, so that person, you know, and then you keep going and then at the end you open it up. But so I, the, the idea that you, um, that you leave, some part of it to uh, something outside of your kind of conscious decision-making, artistic impulse um, is, uh, I think the idea comes out of that. Um, and so, uh, and you know, um, yeah, there's, there's so many good examples of kind of procedural uh, uh, poets. So um, it's not, it's a, it's an, and you know, there's so many exciting ways to get out of your own language if you get out of your own patterns when you kind of move away from uh, poetry being a quote-unquote like artistic, like the expression of the self. So if the procedure co comes out of that impulse. I would, um, I, I don't really actually, I think that some of the things I've done maybe overlap with what could be called procedural, but I don't ever really think about what I'm doing that way. I think, I, I think I've turned out lately to be... Uh, I think I'm more of a spontaneous writer, and then I need form um, uh, to. Uh, I think I'm a I'm a I'm a weird mix of of a of a spontaneous on the spot writer and a formalist. And then when I can find a form that I can repeat, I'm really happy because I could just keep doing it and doing it because it's this vehicle I can pour everything into. And then there are these moments where the the writing doesn't come fast enough, and then I I, I can do things to kind of work with other material or find other kinds of language outside of myself. But mostly I like to just kind of sit and do this and see what happens, you know. So, you know, Anselm has another line in a poem where he, in jokingly, as you can tell, he likes to joke a lot. He has a line in a poem where he says, I'm a confessional poet in a language poet's body. So this is like an updated, you said a, you said you're a formalist. I know, but I just said that out of being, out of being angry that day at both of those uh, ideas about writing. <laughs> it was just, it was a lie. It's a happy lie, but it was a lie. Well, uh, I guess there's one more, one more. Yeah, I, I don't want to ask. Yeah, we can end on that. Sorry. It seems to me in your rectangular forms or square forms, there's an implication that it's an endless poem. But when you read it, you read it from the beginning to the end, and it ended in uh, a feeling that there was an end. And next time you have a reading, I think you should at least read it twice or three times from different places, yeah. so that we have an assurance that it is, in fact, it is circular. He actually went. You went around twice for one of them. Did you I, just catch it? I I did that. I, I'm working on that, actually, and I appreciate that. Now, there's there's one poem that I didn't read that I thought about getting at a second, but I didn't I didn't actually map out which poems in the book I was going to read. I was just picking ones off of feel and flipping through. But there's there's a couple. There's one in particular, and a couple that I've read around in readings three times. And 
it's for me personally it's part it's about getting comfortable with, with some of the poems because the weird thing about this book versus the handwritten poems and this is very unusual in relation to anything else I've written is the book the poems in the book feel like versions of the original they don't feel like the original poems in a sense and, and um and it's an odd feeling but I'm still getting to know where the em where the emphasis can be changed upon reading it around again and what I've found actually like in that case where I read that poem twice I made a couple of mistakes in my mind in enunciation, so I went around it again because I wanted to get hit those spaces right again. And then I, while I was doing it, I thought, oh, yeah, I could just keep going and going. But I will, I think I probably will at some point do a reading where I read it like five poems, six times each, and try to see if I can get out of the room alive doing that. You know? <laughs> well, uh, thanks. So it was a wonderful reading, and uh, thanks for the question. Thanks, thanks, everybody. Thank I want to say that all the three children in the back were so fabulous. through and like cut out all of them. Oh yeah, we should turn it off. 